0: Hello, my name is Van Sneed, and welcome to another episode of The PS Plus, a Living Faith Bible Institute podcast that serves as a companion to another called The Postscript. Now, on that podcast, pastor and host Brandon Briscoe each week will speak with other pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. Here on this podcast, The PS Plus, we'll take a look at some of those topics that are being discussed and we'll dive in just a bit deeper. Now, we've been in a series here on this podcast talking about the King James Version of the Bible, and we're going to continue that topic today. So, let's do this thing. So, in our previous episode, we were taking a look at formal equivalence versus dynamic or equivalence. And by way of review, because it does factor in a little bit to what we're talking about today— Formal equivalence is also known as a word-for-word translation, whereas dynamic equivalence is also known as a thought-for-thought. And we contrasted these two different philosophies by really really honing in on the fact that we have to ask ourselves a question, is it God's words that are important, or is it his thoughts that are important? Are the individual words that God said what matter, or is the general message that he's trying to communicate, is that what actually matters? Now, to illustrate that it's God's words that matter, we took a look at a story in the Bible, the story of the moving of the Ark of the Covenant, and we saw that the instructions were very specifically given, the individual words were very specifically given as to how the Ark should be moved in the book of Exodus. And yet when we see the Ark move in 2 Samuel, David has the Ark being carried in such a way That he was not instructed. And the end result, we know, of course, is tragedy in the death of one Israelite named Uzzah. So, one of the things to be aware of about translation philosophies is that it's one of the many reasons why Bible translations are different. Bible translations are different because the underlying philosophy behind that translation is different. But another reason why Bible translations are different are the motivations of the individual or the organization or the publishing house that's making that translation. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the motivation behind a new translation of the Bible. And in order to do that, we're going to take a look at a quote from Jack P. Lewis. Lewis was an American Bible scholar and teacher of biblical languages at Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas, and then at Harding School of Theology in Memphis, Tennessee. So like many of the other guys that we've quoted on this podcast, he's a smart bro. And he wrote a book called The English Bible from KJV to NIV, A History and Valuation. And there's a particular quote in this book that I want to use as kind of a way to talk about some of the motivation behind different Bible translations. So rather than read all of the quote, we'll read sections of it and then kind of break down its, its its key elements that it's talking about. So the first quote is this. While a major portion of the KJV is understandable to any person who reads English, because of the choice of words and or the change of English speech since 1611, some sentences in the King James will not be understood without the help of a commentary. And so the idea that Lewis is really hammering in here is the idea of readability, the fact that the KJV just simply isn't as readable as a modern version would be. An example of a Bible translation that shares this view would be the New American Standard Bible or the NASB. This Bible was published by the Lachman Foundation, which is a nonprofit, non denominational ministry dedicated to the translation, publication, and distribution of the New American Standard Bible. And on the information page about this particular translation, I want to read you a quote. After completion in 1971, the NASB was updated in 1977, 1995, and most recently in 2020 according to the best scholarship available at the time. The purposes of the update have been to increase accuracy, clarity, and readability. Every aspect of vocabulary, grammar, sentence structure, and meaning was carefully reviewed during each update. The result is an accurate translation that clearly communicates the Word of God in contemporary English. So there's a lot happening in that quote, but I think that you can see very clearly that one of the motivations behind this version of the Bible, the NASB, and all the subsequent updates within that same version we read in 1971, 77, 95, and 2020, was to make sure that there's an accurate Bible that's readable. One of the things to consider if readability is one of the main things that you're trying to create a new translation for is who determines what is readable and what isn't. It's a very subjective way of determining that we need a new Bible translation. Who are the individuals or the groups that you're polling to determine readability? Is it, is it native English speakers? Of which region or geographic location? is it non-native English speakers? How do we determine readability? Well, I'm sure that there is some criteria, but I'm not privy to it, and neither are you. And so I don't mean to be conspiratorial by any means. I'm just simply pointing out the fact that readability is different for every single person. All right, let's continue with our quote from Jack Lewis. Not only are there difficult sentences, but there are words used in the KJV which have passed completely out of use so that they convey no meaning to the modern reader. Now, what Lewis is talking about here is archaic words, words that we simply don't use anymore. And again, as an example of this, we'll take a look at the English standard version published by crossway in 2001 and in the preface to the reader for this particular version listen to what it says the words and phrases themselves grow out of the tyndale king james legacy he's speaking of the english standard versions heritage and most recently out of the rsv with the 1971 rsv text providing the standard point for our work Archaic language has been brought into line with current usage, and significant corrections have been made in the translation of key texts. So again, the idea behind this is that there are words that we simply don't use anymore. So rather than have modern readers struggle with archaic words, let's update those words so that modern readers can better understand them. Now, as Pastor Mark Trotter used to say, that makes sense if you don't think about it but we are going to think about it and i want to i want to change the context for a second and how we're thinking about this so guys you need to put your nerd caps on because i've been reading lord of the rings i got to tell you i don't i i don't have many hobbies right now i'm trying to i'm trying to develop some hobbies but it's difficult i would like to learn how to play drums but i don't have like a lot of time to do that i got two young kids i got a wife i got a job i got a bible institute that i'm that i'm that i'm moving through and taking classes at a glacial pace i would love to be a dope roller skater i'm not joking but i don't have time for any of these things you know what i have time for i have time for lord of the rings i do i have time for 15 maybe 20 minutes at the end of my day to leave earth and go to middle earth and guys It's a fantastic book. It's a fantastic world. And I want to read you a couple of key quotes. Well, key quotes for our conversation today. From The Fellowship of the Ring, chapter 9, when the fellowship is drifting down the great river Anduin. Listen to what it says here. Aragorn let them drift with the stream as they wished, husbanding their strength against the weariness to come. How about this one from Chapter 4 of The Two Towers? Treebeard raised himself from his bed with a jerk, stood up, and thumped his hand on the table. The vessels of light trembled and sent up two jets of flame. There was a flicker like green fire in his eyes, and his beard stood out stiff as a great besom. How about this, oh my gosh, mic drop moment, again from The Two Towers, Chapter 5? This is Gandalf speaking, of course. Gosh, he's so salty, y'all. I love it. He's, he's so salty, but he's so great. Listen to this. The wise speak of what they know, greenless sum of Galmod, a witless worm you have become. Therefore, be silent and keep your fort tongue behind your teeth. I have not passed through fire and death to bandy crooked words with a serving man to the lightning falls. So, guys, in each of these freaking fantastic... Freaking fantastic quotes, man. In each of these, what, what did we see? Husbanding, besom, bandy. These are not words in common usage. These are very much archaic words. But you know what we ain't gonna do? We ain't gonna rewrite Tolkien. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, this is, this is awesome. This is, this is awesome literature. It really is a classic. And it's, it's actually not that old, you know? This was written in the 50s, right? So do we need to go back through every single work of literature and comb it for words that aren't in popular usage today and then change that classic literature? Because I don't know, man, somebody doesn't want to do a little bit of work to figure out a word that they don't know. Guys, we live in the internet age. We have more resources than ever. It's actually not hard to figure these things out. So if that's logic that we would apply to a work of literature like the Lord of the Rings, man, how much more to the Bible, whom we know through Scripture that God himself has provided to us and preserved every single word. All right, let's continue with the last bit of Lewis's quote. He says this, more subtle, however, is the problem created by those words that are still in use, but which now have a different meaning from what they had in 1611. Again, what we see here is a valid concern. What do we do with words that mean something different now than they did in 1611? You could be reading a passage and you come up against a word and you think it means one thing, but it actually means something different. Now, I've heard this argument before, and the thing that I cannot help but think is that the individuals that are using this as a reason of why we need to move on from the King James must have never had anyone sit down and teach them the Bible. And here's why I'm saying that. I've had the great fortune and pleasure of sitting under godly men who have taught me the Bible. And because the way in which they have done so is in an expository method, that is that they go line upon line, verse upon verse, and one of the big responsibilities of that way of teaching is making sure that the text is understood. And so when we come to a word whose meaning in 1611 may be different than the meaning now, well, what do we do? We simply explain it. And once we've done that, well, if you're smart, then you're going to make a notation of it. Hey, guess what? They make Bibles for that, y'all. They're called wide margin Bibles. And again, this is an issue that we would run into, not just with the Bible, but with any piece of literature. You will run into it reading a little book called The Lord of the Rings. There are several occasions where Tolkien, in the writing of this book, uses the word suffer. Aragorn says, they will suffer me to pass. Well, suffer means something different in this context, in this usage, than it does in our current present-day 2022 usage? That does not mean that we need to then change the words of Lord of the Rings, because it's a great book, and if we wouldn't change the words in the Lord of the Rings because a meaning may have changed, then how much more so with the words of God? Let me just tell you, God wrote a better book than Tolkien. So as always, I want to thank you for joining me on this episode of the PS Plus. It's always great to spend some time with you. If you have questions about the Living Faith Bible Institute, I'd encourage you to go to lfbi.org where you can find out more. I thank you for your time, and I hope to talk to you next time. Take care.